put your hands together for the late morning program with your host, Nam Ross. Hey, everybody! This is Nam Ross at the late morning program with Nam Ross. <laughs> Dude, people wanted me to do an intro, so I'm doing an intro. You really couldn't get through the whole intro without cracking up. <laughs> this is going to be the longest hour. <laughs> um, thanks to all my viewers for watching. Um, I'm here with Venkanta Batadas, a.k.a. Vinit Chander, a.k.a. my brother-in-law, the guy who married my sister. How's it going, man? It's good going to well. see you. It's How's everything? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, you know, I just want to tell you that um, I hated you, um, until you bought me the Mahabharat DVD set for my birthday. It was, uh, my seven, 16th birthday or something. Uh -huh. And I was like, this dude is, you know, I didn't, I don't know about him. You blah, hated blah. me. Okay. Maybe hate's a strong word. I disliked you. Do, do you begin like every one of your podcasts just telling <laughs> your, your guests how much you despise them? You're like, welcome to my show. By the way, I hated you. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that's supposed to make me feel? No, seriously, you hated me. Why did you hate me? Well, you know, okay, I was like 14 or something. My sister was like 19. She's always out of the house. She's like always on the phone. My dad's yelling at her. I'm trying to go on my DSL internet. And whenever she picks up the phone, <laughs> it cuts out. I remember you. All the young people listening are I not going to know what that is. They have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, right? no but idea. That's a serious thing, right? You yeah, didn't, you didn't have a modem though. You, that was that was like. Uh, no, no, we had modems. You did. Yeah, but anyways, back to my point was that I didn't like how she was always out of the house and how she was like kind of with someone and always hanging out with you and then like I don't know because you guys were close. Yeah? yeah, we were close. And then there was this one birthday where I was like, well, all right, he, he's coming over. He's gonna give me a birthday present. And then <laughs> <laughs> you, you actually hated me. Yeah, I disliked you. Because the whole time, like, I thought we were, like, boys no, from no, the beginning. No, 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 not, yeah, un until that time, until the, that day, when you, when I opened up the gift, and it was the full B.R. Chopra DVD set. Do you understand? DVDs back then yeah, no, that's were, huge. like, huge. I remember that. I remember no YouTube, you no nothing. No, I remember getting you that set. I didn't know you hated me, but I remember just really wanting you to be happy and wanting to make a good impression. And I, I knew know. you guys were close. Yeah. Um, I didn't know about the hate part, but I knew you guys were close. And um, <clears throat> I actually really admired you, you know? And uh, you were young, but I think um, even then, you were kind of a, um, I don't know, like I could tell, like you were, you were just like a, a really great person. Um, I really respected you. I respected oh you. I feel bad now. No, no. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think I ever told you this, but actually, the first time I ever really had a meaningful communication with your sister, I actually thought it was you. Did I ever tell you the story? No, I tell me. Tell so I met your sister um, when I came with a group of youth from the New York Temple right. back in the day to do. Do you remember this? We did like a little youth program in the yeah. New Jersey Temple. In I totally Temple. remember this. And in I the spoke, sannyasi room. In the sannyasi room. Yeah. Right. And I spoke. I gave a little talk. And then afterwards, I don't know if you remember this part. But I gave out my email address yeah. um, and invited anyone who had any follow-up questions or who wanted to ask something personal or, you know, yeah. um, to drop me a line. And the next day, I check my email and there's this, this email, right? 
Um, and it's this really thoughtful message asking for advice. Um, this person was going through some issues with a friend who was kind of straying, getting into some destructive and self-destructive behavior. And, and the person writing the email really <clears throat> wanted to know how they could be a good friend to them and help them to keep connected to their, their spirituality um, without like turning them away or being judgmental. And I was super impressed. Um, the thing is, the email address, you guys used to share an email address, I think. Yeah, we did. Uh, I remember it was uh, Mahesh, Mahesh G, G, my dad's name. Yeah, Mahesh, Mahesh G at Juno.com. That's right, Juno.com. I think the email address you had before that was probably like 1397442 underscore <laughs> seven at CompuServe. CompuServe. It's like so easy to remember, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like Hare Krishna spelled H-A-R-E-K-R-S-N-A, -E like 179 at AOL or something. Right, yeah. But I get this email address, or I get this email from Mahesh G. Yeah. And I'm reading the address, I'm reading the message, and I'm picturing you. Because I remember meeting you. I think we had met each other a couple of Our times. Our first time meeting, remember, it was a DC Rathiatra. It was DC Rathiatra. I remember. And I remember you, I remember being struck by, here's this, this kid, and, and, and for the viewers out there, you may not... Um, you know, you may not know this or remember him as such, but there was a time where Namras, we were, you were kind of on the shorter side. Yeah. Um, but you had these like huge glasses. That's my logo, actually. And, oh, that's this. right. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it was exactly that picture, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like the big glasses, sort of the big Ganesha ears, like the like, you know, triple, quadruple strand, <laughs> Tulsimala, Kantimala, right? And, um, and big, bright, perfect tilak. And I was like, wow, this kid is like, you know... Vaikunta straight man. from straight from Vaikunta, right? And and you were like, I, I think the first time we met, you were like asking about Radhanath Swami, and we were talking about <laughs> Radhanath. So when I read this, when I'm reading this email, I just automatically assumed it was from you. Really? And the whole time I'm reading the email, I'm like, wow, this kid is so thoughtful. He's so like, <laughs> you know. And I start to feel like I'm like, wow, am I like falling in love with this kid? <laughs> and then we get to the end of the email, and it's like, you know. Uh, from my sister she wasn't initiated at the time but she was like you know your servant or you know your friend ami and then i was like oh yeah it's the sister it wasn't the brother and that's and you know obviously at that time it was it was quite innocent but we just started i wrote back we started pen palling each other we became friends we became really close friends and then we both realized you know we had feelings for each other but in a very real way i feel like you know right from the beginning yeah. i feel like you were there as part of our relationship oh that's nice so um so fast forward to this birthday I really wanted to reciprocate with that feeling and get you something that I knew you'd appreciate. I knew you were this huge Mahabharata fan. Um, I love the B.R. Chopra Mahabharata series. When I was growing up, that was like probably the the one thing that connected me to this tradition. And, yeah. and it actually inspired me to pick up the Bhagavad Gita. It inspired me to learn more you know, about the whole um, culture and the tradition and the history and yeah. the epics. So... Yeah, so I saw this this uh, DVD box set, and I thought, okay, that's what I'm gonna. That get was such a turning me. point in our relationship. I'm so glad, I man. I'm so glad. We like, then we definitely hit it off. I was like, this dude's, this dude's awesome. I'm He's so a stand-up dude. I, you know, it was either that or like like a Target gift card or something. <laughs> so I'm so glad I, I went with the uh, the Mahabharata. How long you been married now? I can't. I can I calculate so, what 2002 or something. It was 2003. Wow. So 15, man. 15. 15 years. years. How's that been? It's been incredible. I yeah. have to say, I know it sounds a little bit, you know, like cliche or corny and like, yeah. it's kind of cool. Like, I don't know if, if you've picked up on this, but in certain circles, and I think, you know, not to be too controversial, but I think within like the ISKCON kind of Hare Krishna Bhakti community, there's this thing that I've noticed where sometimes it's kind of cool to like bag on being married. 
Have you ever noticed this? Like, yeah. like sometimes like, you know, certain someone will be giving like a Bob with them class or like a lecture and they'll like throw in a couple of like marriage jokes and stuff. And it's yeah. like, it's almost like, it's like cool to be a guy and just to be like, oh, like first marriage is such a drag. First there's know? engagement ring, then wedding ring, then suffering. Well, I haven't heard that before, <laughs> except for 5,000 times. Right? Like, yeah, but that's exactly my point. So I feel like it's, there's almost like this like social pressure to just be like, oh man, I've been married for 15 years. I can't wait till he takes one yours. Like, <laughs> it's like no man. Like actually, these have been the most incredible 15 years. They they just get better and yeah. better. Like I feel like with each year, you're like more and more comfortable, um, which has its challenges. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something like really sweet about it. Like when you reach that point where you are connecting to this other person in such a deep way that like. You're just being so real, and you can just be so real with each other, and just share yeah. in the good times, the bad times. Like, like when you're like earlier in a relationship, right? Valentine's Day is coming up, right? Early in a relationship, you like go through like all this intense, you know, like meditation on getting each other like the perfect gift. Yeah. And then you get the gift, and it's like the person may or may not like it, but they're not really being real with you. They're like, oh, I love this. I always wanted, you know, whatever. <laughs> cow salt, salt shaker and inside she's just like salt shaker like, right so but not not that that happened to you. it's a it's a lovely salt Tulsi, shaker. that's tulsi's absolutely favorite thing yeah no, she, she wanted it in the shot actually yeah, yeah no I'm, I'm glad it is yeah it, it's just yeah um bad example but but you got my point right i know i understand your point yeah let, let me tell you honestly this is this is this actually happened right this past so we, we exchanged like christmas presents in our household like we celebrate christmas to an extent and this year i kid you not like, this is actually what we did for Christmas. We went, we got each other, like, a bunch of gifts, because we like doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Krishangi and I, we got each other a bunch of gifts. And then Krishangi went to the store. Actually, we both went together and, like, returned, like, 80% of them, right? Oh because when you're married, when you've been married for, like, 15 years, you guys share, like, bank accounts. You, like, share credit. We have, like, one of those, like, joint credit card deals. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're buying someone a gift, but... You share a household, you know, household expenses, so you know how much stuff costs. And like for us, the greatest feeling was going and getting like ninety-seven dollars put back on our credit. Card. <laughs> like that's when you know you've been married long enough. When yeah. like a date night is like, let's go, like let's go to the store and get ninety-seven dollars put back on our credit card. Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> well, did you have to like, did you have to, um, like, how did you come to that, like, view or that? Um, the way you look at marriage in that way, like, did, did you come to that on your own by reading something or was it just by experiences? People can be jaded by it or some people can be like, not have a good experience and just like go, you know, roll with the punches type thing. But you're, what I'm hearing from you is that you're like, you're learning some from, you've learned from it and you've, um, you've, you've learned to make yourself better. You've learned to make your wife a better person in, in the relationship. So did that come automatically just by your own wisdom or something or how did no, that i mean you know god if if i waited for things to come by my own wisdom we'd be, <laughs> we'd be so screwed dude. I can't even not wisdom you. but like your own experience well you know some of it is experience some of it's experience but i think from the beginning and and this uh, you know i have to say again like i'm um, you know i know it may not be like the cool or popular thing to, to do but like i have to really um give give Krishangi like the majority of the credit for this because i think from the beginning um, she especially inspired me, but I think both of us really approached the relationship with this idea that, you know, at its core, it is this friendship, right? Like right. for us, that's our story. Our story is, it's not, I think it's been incredibly romantic. There have been like incredibly romantic moments. Um, so I'm not taking away from that at all. 
but ours wasn't this like whirlwind Bollywood romance right. as much as it was this like very deep, meaningful, in some ways unlikely friendship because we're just so different from each other. Mm. But because we have that that friendship, that like heart to heart connection where we're genuinely well wishers of each other, where we're genuinely like trying to make each other better um, and appreciating that our partner is there to like allow us to be our best selves, right? Because that's at the core, I feel like, and there have been, you know, there are ups, there, there have been downs as well, right? There have been challenges. But I feel like when that's at the core, it's allowed us to, to use that as a platform um, upon which we, you know, we address all those challenges. We, we um, examine everything that we have to examine. And like, you know, right? You've been married for five years now. Right? Yeah. You know, you and Tulsi, you, you know, from your own experience, um, when you have a partner, when you're in a partnership, um, particularly through, you know, marriage, which is such like a sacred bond, um, your false ego is really like on the line and on the limb and exposed all in all sorts of ways, right? Yeah. And like this, this is this one of the things that I think is is such a blessing about marriage, but it's also such a challenge. Is here's this person that's constantly holding up a mirror to you and constantly being like, "Look, here are your anarthas. Here, here are those things within your heart that you have to work on if you're going to make." spiritual or emotional growth definitely and i think when you're in a position like that either you can get really scared and freaked out and just be like get that mirror away from me um and unfortunately i think that's where a lot of relationships do fall into um you know a lot of relationships do go sour um but i think there's always that option to to remember that like, this is such a blessing this is such grace that i have someone that can hold that mirror up to me in a way that no one else can I think when we approach it that way, at least we've found, Krishanga and I have found, um, like, you know, God does amazing things. Christian does amazing things through us and through our relationship. I think that takes a certain maturity to see that, though. Like, because, you know, if you don't see it that way, you're just going to see it on the base level. And then you'll you'll say, you know, this person doesn't get me or make yeah. some excuse about what the relationship, like how it's going, you know. So it takes a certain maturity to see that. And I think... If you're blessed with that, or if even if you get that wisdom from somewhere else that this is the way marriage is, it's not going to be perfect. You know, the people are, you know, your partner is going to be constantly, you know, like you said, a mirror to your what what things you have wrong with you and stuff. So I think it takes a certain maturity for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, it does take that maturity. I don't know, you know, I, when someone's like, you know, it takes maturity and, the, and, 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 and wisdom and things like that, it's like, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, like, thank you. I think that's right. I yeah. Mean, I want to take that very graciously as, as like a compliment. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, um, I think, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to do the whole, like, you know, like, no, no, Prabhu, I'm, <laughs> I am the least mature. I am less mature than, you know, worms in stool. We're so immature. <laughs> um, but I think also, you know, maturity is so tied in with age and, and I think something does come with age. I don't think it automatically comes with age, but I think, age you know and experience coupled with at least some tiny sincere intentionality and, and desire to to you know and, and openness to grow and to learn um i think it, it does it does wonders right yeah and, and you know for us um yeah and i know this is not everyone's experience but for us we also um, one of the things we go back to is um on our wedding day which you remember yeah i think by then you stopped hating me and you watched the mahabharata a couple of times and we were chill <laughs> by then but well, you did get me that kurta for the wedding. Oh, do you I remember do. that? I do. Okay. Yeah, that's true. 
Okay, so yeah, you gotta you, tell that story. Then we'll come back to tell that story. So they came back from India from the wedding shopping, and they're like, "Here, here's your kurta that you're gonna wear for the wedding." Legit, it was like, it was like this color, of color of this pair. Like even the texture. It, it actually and looked like that pair. Yeah, it looked like this pair, and I was like. I was so offended. Like, I remember that. This is a wedding, and you're going to make me wear a kurta that looks like, you know, like a pair? <laughs> well, I think you're being, I think you're, you're, you're being a little bit... Like, I still have that kurta, by the way, and I still wear it. You still have it, right? Yeah. I think you're sanitizing it a little bit, because the, the way I remember it, you compared the kurta not to a pair, but to, and I'm going to use the Hindi word first, <laughs> you, we used to call it the ulti, the ulti kurta, which for the non-Hindi speakers out there means the vomit kurta. You, you, like, I, I still remember that we came back from India, we're like taking, we're unpacking, we're like, oh, and here's like mommy's like wedding outfit, and here's like papa's wedding outfit, and here like Amul, here's your kurta, and, and you're like, that looks like ulti. That's an ulti kurta. But you know, the thing is, and you see, I'm going to, I'm, I'm sorry to be a little defensive here, but you had to remember the kind of person you were at that time. Yeah. You were still in that, like, I'm going to be a brahmachari fetishizing, like the, the simplicity of, and like the rugged brahmachari kind of look. So we had to actually find a kurta that we thought was like, I don't know, like, I know. And I appreciate that. I don't remember what I ended up wearing, but let's go back to your point. You were saying on the, the wedding, at the wedding, the wedding when, you were, yeah. when you were wearing something that didn't look like a pair or like a vomited pair or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, but at the wedding, you know, we were really blessed that, that Radhanath Swami was there and agreed to speak some words of, of wisdom and instruction to us. And um, among the, the, the things that he said, I remember he made it a, a point to, he turned to both of us actually. And, and he spoke directly to us. So sometimes with a, with a wedding lecture, it's, it's kind of spoken to everyone in, assemb in you know, assembled there in, in, the, in, in attendance. Um, but it, but I, I distinctly remember, because it was such like an intense, heavy moment for me, um, I remember he turned to, to, to each of us and he like looked at, you know, looked at, at us both and he, and he spoke to us individually. And I remember he said, you know, he said, Venkatabhata, Krishangi is not just your wife. She is a precious daughter of Krishna. Wow. Who has been entrusted, who's being entrusted in your care for you to treat her with respect and kind, right? And he's just like, and then he turned, you know, and Krishangi Devi, Venkata Bhatta Prabhu is not, da, da, da. and, you know, on the one hand, it's sort of like, yeah, we all know this. I mean, this is like, it, 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 I don't think that's, that's any like esoteric, you know, uh, bit of wisdom that like all couples don't sort of know theoretically. Mm. Um, but it's amazing to return to an instruction like that or return to wisdom like that. Um, not when, when like things are great, but like when things are really challenging and you feel like just being like, like you said, like this person doesn't get me, mm. this person's like this, this person's like that. Like, how could she do this? How could he do that? Right. Um, and again, it works for us. It may not work for everyone, but for us going back to that and just reminding ourselves of that has been huge. The other thing I'll, I'll say, and again, if this works for you, more power to you, um, for us, something we've tried to implement. We haven't always been successful with it, but we try to, if we're in the midst of like an argument, particularly if it's about something that's, let's be honest, like a little trivial or like, you know, if we're just kind of like getting on each other's nerves. Right. Um, we imagine what it would be like to sit down and write a letter to like Radhanath Maharaj or to like, you know, someone who's like a mentor or mm. a guide or a respected elder, right? Um, and, and explain like our side of it. Like at that specific like moment? Like at that moment. Like okay. I'm so irritated because Krishangi is doing this thing and like 
she like corrected the way I loaded the dishwasher and like how can she think like I'm so stupid I don't know how to like load a dishwasher and like right. why doesn't why is she always nagging me why is she <laughs> right, right um if I stop and I'm like because in in the heat of the moment my ego my false ego my ankar like wants to convince me that like I'm the most brilliant person in the world like you are so brilliant right Venkata and like this how dare this mere mortal try to tell you <laughs> that like you don't know what you're doing loading a dishwasher like who does she think she is like yeah and like you have such a brilliant point to make don't let her get away with that like hammer it into her win the argument right like yeah. like i come from that background also i like i did like speech and debate i was like you know i have a background in law like i can sort of hold my own in an argument um and there's something very gratifying about that so the ego is like telling me like win your point at at all costs right like you've got an important point to make the like the future of the free world hinges <laughs> on you proving this point about how you can load a dishwasher properly right and if i stop if i'm able to stop and 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 say okay what if i were making that argument to, to radhanath maraj what if i was like maraj i know you're super busy i need five minutes of your time <laughs> to like let you know about how offensive you know, your disciple, Krishangi, was to me about, you know, this dishwasher thing and how, like, I'm right about 99% of the time, I wouldn't write that it's letter. Or it's I it sounds stupid when you say it like that. it's completely stupid. It's yeah. completely trivial. In, in the grand scheme of things, like, when you have that perspective, it's like, a, it's not even a blip. Yeah. Right? But why do we give so much time to it? Why do we give so much attention to it? So I think, you know, for us, that's been huge. That's, that's helped. And like I said, we're very different people. So, um differences i think they can be they can be wonderful and they can inspire right you, and i hope that at our best we complement each other and we're we're always um kind of bettering each other in that way and, and mm. opening up new perspectives um but it's not easy right it's super challenging. we do everything differently like i i can't it's almost like i can't come up with a specific example because there's so many examples there are, there's like practically nothing that we approach in the same way Amazing. Um, and somehow, you know, we've we've made it we've made it work. Fifteen years. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you were talking about law. It'd like, be super awkward if we didn't make it work and we were doing this podcast. Though, that then, would be. Then you'd be like, "Remember when I hated you? <laughs> and then you treated my sister so badly, and I was right to hate you. Here, take your mom apart and get out of my house." You know. <laughs> so, thankfully, that didn't happen because yeah. you know you can't refund DVDs, man. That's just yeah. Closed down. You know, one of the DVDs, like three of them, stopped working, and then I tried to call them, and there was some Indian guy at the end of the line, and he was like. I'm in Edison. That's uh, racist, man. I, why do you, why, why you got to go there? He's, he had to be an Indian guy? Because he's at a call center? <laughs> it wasn't a call center. It was an Edison. Oh, it was the actual store in Edison. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you know. You were talking about law. I was talking about law. Tell us a bit about your background in the sense of, like, um, like career-wise and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I do have a background in law. Um, I went to law school. Um, I actually went to – I, I was um, – dating and then and then eventually we're associating if we want to clean it up with your audience i don't know i don't know what kind of audience this is it's a mixed audience um but i was i was in a relationship a serious relationship with your sister all throughout law school and then as you um, may recall we actually got married um a week literally a week to the day a week after i graduated law school yeah um so we got married you know i graduated law school um, we took some time to like settle into married life, go on a honeymoon, all that good stuff. 
And and then I pretty much jumped into like studying for and taking the bar exam. Yeah. Um, to this day, I don't know how I passed, but I somehow passed um, the New York and New Jersey state bar exams. Um, applied for jobs, and I actually ended up getting what I thought was my dream job. Yeah. Um, I throughout my time in law school, I knew um, I was never attracted to like corporate law or like finance or immigration, immigration anything. Right. Like even though everyone, it's funny that we said that together. Yeah. You because know, because we're brown. <laughs> Or like devote because like it's like like what all brown people and what all like iscon devotees like think of the first time you say like law is like h1b <laughs> r1 or r1 right it's like the two like visa types yeah it's like that's like for for them that's what law is all about. sorry for interrupting I, I but no no I, I but i never wanted to do that yeah. um the, the what i wanted to do the entire time i was in law school um or even you know before that was i wanted to be in the courtroom i wanted to litigate and after my first summer interning at the DA's office, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to be like a career prosecutor. I want to be in that courtroom. I want to be, you know, a district attorney. That's um, awesome. Law and order. Law and order. Law and order. Um, they used to film law and order, like right outside um, the, the, the courthouse. There. Really? Yeah, yeah. I used to uh, sometimes see them filming and stuff. It was pretty, nice. pretty exciting. But, um, but, I, but I ended up getting that job. I ended up getting the job at the DA's office, um, being a prosecutor. In, uh, in New York, uh, New York City, in Queens County, uh, which is where I wanted to be. Yeah. And um, it was like everything was lining up, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, um, but it's just like amazing when like everything like lines up on paper, right? So it's like, okay, like after this long, sort of long distance relationship, right? Because Krishangi was in New Jersey finishing up undergrad. I was in DC at law school, right? We were like doing the long distance relationship thing. Okay, like we're married. Like we get our first home together, um, or at least our first apartment together. At that time, we, you know, I got this. I, I, I took this like monster exam, got through that, got this job. It was like everything was lining up, and I was like, "Great, this is it. I'm going to be happy, right? Like I'm, yeah, you know, as happy as anyone can be." Um, and it was really strange, but I have to say, like, if I'm really being honest, probably like less than three months into it. The, the first like crack started to show and I started to feel like this like nagging what started out as a very irrational secret nagging doubt which was like something doesn't feel right something feels off interesting um, you know something is not quite like you should be happier you should be feeling more fulfilled what kind of work was that though like oh be being at the days office yeah it must have been like I sort of I vaguely remember you telling me like some real horrific stuff i mean it was you know it was it was intense work it was good you know you start off at the da's office at least in 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 new york i don't know how it is in, in other cities but you start off sort of you know cutting your teeth on like very low level what they call misdemeanors right so like lower level crimes right higher level crimes are called felonies lower level crimes are misdemeanors and you kind of cut your teeth like learning the ropes on that they do kind of throw you in right so it's, it's very different than what people see on on tv so like in like a law and order type of show you'll see you usually one attorney has like one case, like one prosecutor has one case that they're working on yeah. for however long the episode is, like 45 minutes or, but like, that's like all you see them doing. In reality, um, a, a prosecutor um, and a, an assistant district attorney, which is what we were called, um, we had a caseload of anywhere between, I mean, misdemeanors, we would have like between 150 and 200 at a time. What? So you just have like all these cases. Most of them are like real, like, Kind of throwaway, low level, like I mean, it, but it really runs a gamut. Some of it gets into some darker stuff. Some of it's just like, I mean, I I could bore you silly with the number of like public urination cases that people like to pee, 
everywhere except where they're supposed to in Queens County in New York City. Oh my God. But like you have all these cases and, and that's really how you learn to like just get through not just arguing when you need to argue, but also learning how to like plea cases out. A lot of people don't realize that most of those cases never see the light of day because you cut a deal with a defense attorney to settle it, you yeah. know, out of court or to settle it without a trial so that you can focus on the cases that really matter. Right. Um, so I did that and, you know, it wasn't uninteresting work and it wasn't even like that the work wasn't meaningful. In fact, I really, for a variety of reasons, um, I felt strongly about trying to make a difference um, with the issue of domestic violence. Mm, uh, it's something that was, you know, without going into too much detail, something that I had seen a lot of in, yeah. in, in terms of friends and family and like my community. And it's something that within like the South Asian community, like many immigrant communities goes often, you know, sort of swept under the rug and like unreported. And so I felt very strongly about it and, and I wanted to pursue it. And I ended up, um, you know, uh, working in the domestic violence bureau. So I had like domestic violence oh, cases. Wow. Um, I had a huge like caseload of domestic violence cases and it was really meaningful work, you know, when, I mean, it was, it was definitely depressing in one sense or, you know, um, I mean, it is really kind of challenges your sense of optimism and hope yeah. to see these kinds of like really horrific nightmarish cases. Um, and I, and I saw my fair share of those, but it was also like incredibly meaningful work, but still I felt like it's like, this is so important. This work is so meaningful. It's so important. It's like someone's dharma, but it's not my dharma. Interesting. And I kept feeling that. And that like little seed that I was talking about, a little seed of doubt, um, it started growing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. I, I kind of, I, I often speak about this, especially with students, which, you know, I can get to a little bit, but like I now work with students in a, in a university setting. Right, in Princeton, right? In Princeton, yeah. Nice. And, and often they ask about my story because I guess it is pretty like atypical, right? To, yeah. To go from, from law to now like doing the work that I do. Um, and, and often what, I, what I'll say to the students is it, it's a strange thing when you're like, when you're doing well at something, right? And, and you're getting like, like nothing is wrong on the surface. Like it's one thing, right? If something is wrong, like let's say you, you, you apply for a job, you get a job and then it turns out you're terrible at it. Right. It's just not a good fit for you. Like that sucks. It's, it's a terrible feeling, but at least you can articulate it. And at least people around you can see that and go like, you know, no, I'm like, I, I know that you thought you were going to be like a baker, but you know, like every loaf of bread, it just like comes out like worse than the one before. <laughs> like maybe, you know, being a baker is not like the thing for you. Right? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's, there's another level of challenge when like on paper or like on its surface, everything should be fine. And you feel like, like I actually struggled with this for a long time. I struggled with this feeling of like, like I should be happy. I should be grateful. Like, why am I not? Yeah. Why is this not working? And I was just getting worse and worse. And Krishangi, you know, speaking of like relationships and, and someone holding up a mirror to you, right? Krishangi, very much to her credit, and I'm so grateful to her for this. I'll, I'll always be grateful to her for this, for many things, but especially for this. Yeah. Is she really like called me to task for it? And she was like, you know, what's going on with you? You're not, ha you're not the same person. Like you're, you know, you're, it's like, I mean, it sounds, I'm going to use some strong language here, but like, it was like soul deadening. Like she was like, you know, like you seem like you're like almost like dead inside. Like you come home and you just, the only thing I would come home and I just like watch the Simpsons. Like that was like, wow. And, and not even like with her, I would just like go into like our little, like we had this like guest bed bedroom with like the TV in it. I would just go in there and just like watch like Simpson reruns just to like veg out. And then I just like, whatever, 
like do it again the next day do it do it again the next day and she pushed me to like dig deeper and and, and figure out what's going on and anyway i mean I, to make a long story short when i did that kind of introspection and 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 talked to her and talked to other people who i trusted and, and asked for their guidance um i realized that i i wasn't feeling fulfilled because i felt called to do something else and right and what i felt called to do was um to, to do something more explicitly connected to spirituality, to religion, to my own practice, to Hinduism generally. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, some twists and turns later, um, I resigned the position at the DA's yeah, office. Yeah, I was going to ask, what did you do after? Yeah, I, I resigned that position, and I was actually going to go back to school, so I was in, in the process. I don't know if you know this part. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but I was in the process of actually um, pursuing a uh, graduate study at Oxford. Oh, I, I, I didn't started know learning about the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies and um, it's just really great people to study with. And I yeah, was going to do, um, you know, a master's and eventually a PhD in like theology. Right. Um, and in the meantime, an opportunity came to actually work for ISKCON full time to work really? for, for ISKCON Communications. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Entering controversial territory. <laughs> Why is whatever I'm looking, at, I'm, I'm looking at your shirt and it's like it's so I don't know if, if they can see it but like Nam's wearing his ISKCON. You made that shirt, right? You, you designed that shirt. I, I mean, designed I know you the didn't shirt. make ISKCON, but you made the shirt. Yeah, I did. I made the I made the shirt. Yeah. And you sold like a bunch of. Like, I sold a bunch and a bunch of still sitting in my in the back of my car. Do you have like, any misprint like ISKCON spelled? You ever notice that like, <laughs> like ISKCON spelled wrong? Yeah, I S C K O N. I hate that so much. Yeah, you see that often like in the Indian media and stuff. Like yeah. Anyway, if you have any of the ones that are spelled wrong, I'd like one. Just like I'd like to be like an ironic hipster and just like. Because I'm, like, too cool to wear, like, the regular one, but the one that's, like, intentionally spelled wrong. Right. Like, I'll, I'll take one of those. No, it's funny. You know, like, I, I um, this is a bit of a tangent, but um, I don't know if it's still – this is like, years ago. Um, a couple of years ago, there was, like, this Facebook group. You ever get added to, like, a Facebook group and you don't know, like, why or how? Oh, my God. Yeah. So this is, like – I guess it was, like, really in vogue to do that. And, and I'm, I'm terrible with Facebook, but I guess I was a little bit more active on Facebook at the time. And someone added me to a group, and the group was just called ISKCON. Like, I guess someone... Oh, I think I was on that, too. On, I think, like, someone, I'm guessing, like, outside of the U.S., just based on the sort of the, the language, um, it didn't seem like English was their first language, but, like, whoever was moderating that, but they created a group that was just called, like, ISKCON. ISKCON, yeah. And, and I got joined to it, which is, like, okay. But then I remember, um, I don't know, I just, like, at a certain point, maybe I was just, like, cranky or something, but, like, it was, like, filling up, like, my news feed, and it was, like, stuff that, like... Like wasn't entirely relevant. It yeah. Was like, it wasn't like that group was being used to like discuss like interesting things like the history of ISKCON and where ISKCON like that kind of stuff. I'm into. Yeah. Um, but it was I don't even know like what it was. It was just like not doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And so um, so I did that thing where you like you leave a group, right? Yeah. Oh. So I went to click on it, and it's funny because I don't know if Facebook still does this, but like a pop up thing comes up. So a pop up came up and it said, "Are you sure you want to leave ISKCON?" <laughs> and it was like. <laughs> It was like one of those things. Like I, I was, like, I think it was like late at night or something, and I was like, "Oh yeah. no! Like what is this?" Like, it was you like, know, that happens on Facebook. Actually, it it's was like creepy. Man. It's like, like it's like um, when someone likes someone's page. So it's like uh, it, it's like oh, my friend Nimai. It's like Nimai likes Shula Prabhupada. Yeah. And it's then like, you comment like, obviously, like, yeah, like, like who <laughs> doesn't like Shula Prabhupada? <laughs> um, but but this was like one of those things where it was like you know. I'm like, God, I hope it's not one of those, like, anyway, I'm now I'm worrying, like, did I not like Shula Prabhupada? Like, like, <laughs> anyway, but, but, I, but in this thing, um, it's called communications, right? It's, it's called communications. So, um, so I, you know, and, and I am so grateful for that actually, to, yeah? to be quite honest. I mean, it, like anything else, 
definitely had its challenges. Um, but it was an amazing experience. And I think it allowed me to, um, to really make that leap and to start to dig deeper into like what inspires me. Right. Um, it's kind of communications was, and I think, you know, although I'm a little bit out of the loop now, um, you know, as, as far as I know, continues to be just really forward thinking, yeah. really progressive in many ways. A lot of people don't realize that um, a lot of things that we take for granted in ISKCON, if you, you know, if you're a part of that organization or identify with that, that organization, um, a lot of really the best of sort of forward thinking, saner ISKCON, if I could use that phrase, yeah. um, came as a direct result of ISKCON communications. And one of the things that really inspired me um, and I'm going to shout out um, Anutama Prabhu, who was uh, the Minister of Communication. I think he still is. Yeah. And was very much a, a mentor and a guide and a, and a really, really dear friend to me. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I think he feel, feels and felt very strongly about and that ISKCON Communications really took at, at, as its like kind of core principle is um, that ISKCON Communications is not meant to just do like PR. It's like not just like fluff. It's not just... Um, being a mouthpiece, but but it is being a mirror. So again, like back you, to the mirror. back to the mirror thing, right? right? Just like we can do that in relationships. That's brilliant. But I like that. communications. I think in a certain way, and and now I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, wow. I guess I'm really drawn to that idea. Mm. But there's something amazing about pushing an organization, like championing and and recognizing and promoting all the great stuff that's already happening, but really helping to be a part of creating the good stuff that, that, that happens and pushing an organization to think more deeply and to grow and to develop and, um, and, and when it needs some course correction, you know, to like not being afraid to do that too. Right. And I think ISCON Communications at its best was doing that. I think for me, it, it came to a point where I feel like I spent, a, a, you know, I spent a, as much time as I was meant to spend in that role and it's um, it's kind of like a razor's edge, right? Because I think to, to play a role like that, you have to um, you have to hold a, a certain kind of optimism. Oh and, my gosh! And, yeah, and a certain kind of hopefulness, and um, it's it's a really tough balance. And, and again, my hats off to to Anutama Prabhu and to um, my dear friend and, and god sister Parijata in in Mumbai and and so many other you know devotees who do um, communication seva. Because I think, again, at its best, you're like simultaneously holding on to like such a critical and realistic lens. Like you're actually seeing things for what they are yeah. and you're calling out what needs to be called out and you're not like burying your head in the sand or, or, or sticking it in the clouds, right? But you're also remaining hopeful and optimistic and a team player and, you know, you're recognizing baby steps when baby steps need to be taken. And I think, you know, if I'm just being totally honest... Um, I reached a point where I felt like I could no longer do that um, in the same way. And, and I felt like I didn't, I could see in a certain way that, um, and part of this was just growing older and going through my own sort of, you know, love-hate relationship with um, institutions and organizations and how I define my spiritual life. And, right. you know, kind of like, I think, um, the kind of the spiritual equivalent of being like an angsty teenager. You know, like when you're an angsty teenager, you're like, shut up, mom, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like, <laughs> like you don't actually hate your mom, but you're like, I right. just need some space. Like, yeah, yeah. no one understands me. So maybe it was a little bit of that, like on a spiritual level where I just kind of needed to go, okay, I need to like sort of figure out stuff for right. myself in a way that being a spokesperson, you can't really do that. Right? No, no. Everything you're doing, everything you're saying, um, 
even in in a semi like private setting, right, could potentially be taken as like the view or the opinion or the position of this organization. You're like just tied so much. Um, anyway, all this to say, I think I reached a point where I could see the dangers of like falling into real like cynicism. Right. And um, and I kind of flirted with that cynicism for for a little while. And, and I think if Krishangi were here, she'd be like a little while, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, maybe it was a little bit longer than a little while. Um, but I, I saw enough of that, that, that cynical. I saw like what happens when I get cynical and it's not a pretty picture and it's not the kind of person I want it to be or want to be. Right. Um, and, and I realized at that point, I mean, there's other stuff happening in my life, um, including, you know, op other opportunities coming my way, including this, this one at Princeton. But I realized that, you know, as valuable as that experience was with doing the communication seva, that, um, that it was, it was better for me to step into another role that, felt a little bit again more true to what i felt called to do and and more true to where i was at as far as my own spiritual practice but also where i feel inspired to give back right i think a lot of devotees or a lot of people feel like that kind of cynical because you know personally i work in you know management uh to a certain extent at the temple at our local temple sure, and sure. and I remember the times when I was just coming to the temple, not seeing any kind of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And, and I was like, I want to go back to that because what I'm, what I, what you see when you're either managing or you're doing communications or PR, whatever it is for an institution, it's like, you see, like what you said, you see kind of the things that are, that you don't want to see that are kind of ugly in, in a, in a yeah. sort of way. Yeah. And it, so, takes, it takes a lot of maturity and it takes a lot of, um, yeah, I, I think, again, that, that balance of, like, maintaining that realistic perspective and not pretending it doesn't, that the, the, the bad stuff or the ugly stuff or the challenges stuff doesn't exist, right. but also maintaining that hope. It's, it's a tough balancing act, man, and, and really, not you know, can do it. Yeah, hat, you know, hat, hats off to the devotees who've been doing it for many, many years. It's like, it's, it's, like, really a, a thankless task, honestly, to do that. Yeah, well, um, you, know, you know, when I was, um, my first job, my first part-time job, because I was like one of these kids, like my parents were like, summer vacation did not mean just like lazing around the house. It meant like yeah. either going like to the library, it meant like getting a jump on studying for your SATs, like when you're nine. Or... <laughs> but, but when I was 15, it meant like my dad was like, all right, you're going to get a part-time job. Like, not because the money, like we, you know, we needed or I needed money, but yeah. like, just because like, I don't want to see you lazing around the house. I want you to go and like do something. Yeah. And so like, true story. Like I went out and I like filled out a bunch of job applications. I really wanted to work at Barnes and Noble. Um, Krishangi's first job was at Barnes and Noble. I was always, I've always been envious of her for that. <laughs> to me, it was like a dream job. I like, you know how much I love books. Oh like, yeah, yeah. I just like, that was like it for me. Didn't get the job at Barnes and Noble. The only callback that I got, my 15 year old self was a little donut shop called Dunkin' Donuts. Interesting. And my first job ever was at Dunkin' Donuts. Mm -hmm. um, I was 15 and, um, and I wasn't a, 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 like a strict vegetarian at that time. Right. So I didn't grow up vegetarian. And, and um, I think by that time, maybe I was vegetarian, but still ate eggs or something. Yeah. But I remember I, I ate Dunkin' Donuts occasionally. And I was like, okay, well, at least the upside is I'm, I'm going to like <laughs> eat free donuts, right? <laughs> and what do you think happens now? I'm like, a week into the job, you see how the donuts are made. You see what happens behind oh the scenes. And um, I don't think I ever ate a donut after that. Like a Dunkin' wow. Donuts donut after that. I was like traumatized. That's and I wouldn't amazing. let my family eat it. They were like, bring home donuts. And I was like, nah, you don't want the donuts. 
I was like, nah, bro, you don't want the donut. No, but you know, and, and, and I'm, I bring that up because um, I remember even wanting to like want the donuts again. Because yeah. you're like, oh, like I really want to like have the desire for this donut. Right. But you can't unsee how the donut is made. And I feel like being in, in like working in like management or like doing anything behind the scene, attending like GBC meetings, it's like on the one hand, it, there's something really like compelling and attractive and like almost like like it's like the mystique of like what happens behind closed doors right but but there's like some challenging stuff and you can't unsee how the donut is made and like right i, I think i've seen how how Iskand makes its donuts and it's like hard to unsee <laughs> it you know? i don't know that's gonna be weird you can i hope maybe nima will edit that out no no this is all unedited I, um, it's actually worse if you edit it out because then i'll be like i've seen how it's gone beep, beep, beep. <laughs> it just sounds like i'm saying something far worse so. right now so then so then when you left that it kind of evolved into like i remember i remember like when that opportunity opened up in Princeton because I was living in the ashram at the time and one devotee from there was also you know going for this position of the director of Hindu life at yeah. Princeton yeah. so what like um what do you do there now like I know you, you I understand you just went to Govardhan Eco Village with students and stuff that sounds awesome like tell us about that yeah yeah well, thank you for asking well you know it's so the the devotee that um that you're referring to um it was that was an interesting experience, by the way. Like, I don't know if you've ever done anything like that, where like you are competing for something with like a very close friend or a godbrother or someone, you know. Mm. Um, and, and that was an interesting dynamic. It was like we were both kind of going for the same position at the same time. Um, quick story with that is like one of my visits to Princeton, because Princeton, when they interview for positions, I guess they're like very thorough. So we had like multiple interviews and you had multiple rounds of interviews. I think my first one was on the phone, and then there was like an in person, and there's a second in person, and and in one I think in my second in person interview, um, it came down to like me and this other devotee and and um, someone else. I think it was like the three of us. Yeah, it may maybe there were more, but I, I I distinctly you know remember hearing about at least the three of us, um, and and one of the people at Princeton who's no longer there actually, she's moved on to another position, but um, at the time you know she saw me. And she started, she was like, oh, it's so nice to have you back here. And like, um, and then she starts like asking me these questions or talking about things in a way that like, it made it clear she thought I was this other dude. Like she oh, thought I was the other devotee, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like, I guess maybe we have some kind of resemblance or maybe she's just racist and thought all like brown people look alike. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, but uh, it made me feel funny. No, it, um, but it was, it was like a strange thing because she was like asking all these questions that like, because I know him, I knew like we're more related to him. And it was like one of those awkward situations where you don't know if you should correct the person or just like go with it. Yeah. So I just like went with it. <laughs> um, but anyway, but yeah, that was like 10 years ago. So believe it or not, I've been doing You've this. You've been there for 10 years? Almost 10 full years. Yeah. I started in, in um, the fall of 2008. That's right. Oh my so, gosh. So it's been like, yeah, it's been almost a full 10 years and um, it's amazing. It's, it's just like, it's... Um, it's hard for me to articulate it in a way that doesn't just like sort of fall back on saying these things that are very like abstract and cliche and theoretical, but yeah. it's the, the best way I can describe it is like my most challenging day, my so-called worst day at Princeton compared to like my best day at the DA's office, for yeah. instance, right? My worst day, my most challenging day, the day that I fall flat on my face and everything seems to be going wrong, 
is still at core more nourishing and more inspiring. And it like, it just like, it feeds something in me. Wow. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately and because people ask, right? Like increasingly, especially people of a certain generation now that like, you know, um, a lot of people that I used to work with, you know, when Krishang and I were doing a lot of the youth stuff with in, in different communities, you know, a lot of a lot of you all, and maybe even folks younger than you, yeah. um, are are in places in their lives where they're like kind of entering the workforce or thinking about career or maybe like already on their first or second or even third careers in some cases, mm-hmm. um, and trying to figure this whole thing out. And one of the things that that I've been reflecting on and I try to share with people is I think sometimes we talk about like following your dream or your passion. But actually, the more I think about it, I'm not sure I really like the idea of like what you feel passionate about, right? Because I think, um, and we know this from even the kind of like metaphysical or philosophical framework that um, the Gita and, and other texts, Upanishads and Vedantic texts give us with like the gunas, right? So mm. the, like the, this like framework of the gunas, um, even the word like passion is very much connected to, or it's often given as a translation right. to the to rajas, to the state of being rajasic, right? right? And I think there's something a little too rajasic about pinning everything on what you're passionate about, especially for those of us who maybe can get passionate about a lot of things, and then it doesn't quite last, or it, yeah. right? like the, the novelty wears off, and like, like what do you this do podcast. Then? The novelty's already worn off. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying no, no, no. I'm being silly. Like that, that. I've, I got into a lot of things and been passionate about, about a lot of things, and then they just don't last. Like, That's not true, Nam. You're no, still no, flying like, kites, right? <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say that. You remember, like, you remember or like Pokemon thing? or something. Like Not the recent Pokemon. Like when Pokemon was cool when I was a kid. Listen, Pokemon, I have a, Pokemon's like a sore a source spot for me. Why? Right? Pokemon is like, I missed Pokemon. Like I was like you did, yeah. I'm like that like lost generation, right? Like I missed Pokemon when it was like a thing. Yeah. And then I missed it again when it was like a thing again when it like made like that like like somehow Pokemon for me represent like Pokemon is like a reminder for how like old and out of touch I am. <laughs> like and I, I have like a moment that like crystallizes this. And this moment Tell us. I don't want to like I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to put you on the spot. But this moment was actually your wedding reception, right? Mm. So your wedding reception in oh I remember that. in England, yes, right? in uh, that that lovely place near the manor, right? Um, yeah. it, it was a g- great reception. Everything was was going swimmingly, and <laughs> it was like you know the, the, I think the dance floor opened up. There was some 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 dancing. We we're all having a good time. I, I was like yeah like. This is cool. Like I could hold my own on the dance floor a little bit. I was getting. Oh, are you kidding? I, yeah. I was getting the uh, you know the, the attaboys from from all the all the all the youngsters, <laughs> all the youth. They were like, wow, like Weeberdy, like you know he can still do a little bhangra. Like that's pretty cool. And I was like, yeah, like that's cool. We're all like one big happy family. Like yeah, we're not that different. And then I don't know if you if it, like I remember it so well. Someone I don't know if this was you or Tulsi or or or, or Nimai or I don't know who this was, but someone is like. For the final song, I think you had the DJ play it or something, and you played like the Pokemon theme song. Yeah. And you all sang it. Like in unison. Like in unison. It was like this moment. It was like the flash mob Pokemon, like this is our defining, like this is like the soundtrack of our life. And and it's literally, it's like, it's like all, it's like all of you doing that. Yeah. It's like your dad, like off to the side, like doing japa somewhere, right? Like <laughs> yeah. just like Haribo, Haribo, like this is great. I like I could care less about Pokemon, just more <laughs> more opportunity to like chant the holy name, right? Yeah. And then it's like me and Krishangi, and we're like literally standing there looking at everyone else, like blank faces, 
And I'm like, like, do you have any idea? No. She's like, no. no. Oh, man. And we're both just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like twiddling our thumbs, feeling old. Uh, so that sorry. for me is Pokemon. Pokemon, like, nah. It just it makes me feel super, super <laughs> old. What were we talking about before I that? I don't know. Where were we? Oh, oh, when I was saying how I interrupted you, I said that that's something that you're passionate about. Oh, it right, right. It Passions. doesn't last. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Um, and, you know, we were, you were passionate about Pokemon. You're, and the Kites. type thing, for those who don't know, is like Nam went through this. I think it's like funnier to, to us. Like to me, it's like the most hilarious story. It is very hilarious. And you try telling someone and they're like, so a guy was into kites. Like, that's <laughs> pretty much the story. It's not very funny. Yeah. It's like, like, but Nam went through this thing where he was like really into kites. Like he was like super like intensely like i don't know like researching kites and yeah like this huge kite and anyway it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing right yeah that's that passion right um and and while it's I... so rajasic it's so fantastic <laughs> what <laughs> where did you get that from <laughs> it's so rich it's so it's so rajasic is oh. you just do this on the podcast you just... yeah it's just like a random thing that that's I so, that's say. That's so strange. <laughs> Nima, is this like a normal thing? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to like. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, do you have more like lyrics? So I want to hear. No, more? no, no. That's do you change so... your voice? Just like your voice modulated. It's so tomasic. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't hit those like those low notes for the Thomas. No, okay. Um, but but this is my my issue <laughs> with with path following your passion, which I look. Rudd just gets a bad name. Right. Um, because oh, of course. Yeah. Rudgess is really important. Right. Like this, this podcast to get things done. This podcast wouldn't exist without Rudgess. Right. There was a certain like passion and there was a certain Rudgess that like translated the idea into the reality. Right. Like, right. And I'm, I'm so impressed. I know you all can't see this, but this is like an amazing setup with like all sorts of like compressors and decompressors and decongestants. And there's like a humidifier going. There's like all this stuff going on here. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Like, I feel like, you know, um, it's just, it, it's, it, it, it takes work. I think people don't realize that. They're like, oh, like, Nam is like, maybe Nam's like just goofing around because he has some extra, like, like, this is, it, this takes work. And, and I think yeah. that work requires passion, right? right? And the creativity re- requires passion. So I think Rudgess does get a bad name. Um, but I do feel like the more I reflect on it, that like, you can't pin everything on Rudgess. You can't pin everything on passion. And so for me, what I've found to be, in, in some sense, a much more, um, I think, a, a deeper and a more helpful, more constructive um, tool to help, like, figure out things like calling and, yeah. and dharma and, and seva and, like, where am I meant to be and, like, you know, what am I meant to do is, um, is this idea of nourishment. Is really, like, what's satisfying for me on that, like, that deeper level? Mm-hmm. Um, what's that, like, what's that thing that feeds me? Right. right, because I think there's certain things like that can be very tiring, but still like you end up being nourished by it. And there are other things that I think are tiring, and then they drain you, and mm. they exhaust you. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's not like an exact science, right? It's it's more art than science. But I think for anyone, this is the advice I, that I give for anyone who's trying to discern their dharma, their purpose, their calling, right? All this kind of um, really deep, subtle stuff that, that we don't, as a, as a community, as a, as a culture, as a society, we don't often speak about. Um, pay attention to what nourishes you. Pay attention to what exhausts and, and drains you. Pay attention to what is life-giving and what's like life-sapping. Right. And it could be very subtle. And, and, and here's where I feel like sometimes it can, I mean, it, it requires, like you were saying earlier, maturity, 
I think is another thing that requires maturity um, and, and leaning on mature people to guide you. Sometimes the thing that drains you can be something that like on its face is spiritually inspiring and uplifting, right? Interesting. And that everyone else is like, oh, like this is like the most wonderful service and like you're so fortunate to like have this opportunity. And I'm not saying um, we shouldn't push ourselves to do things that feel a little bit, you know, um, a little bit, a little bit of discomfort is good. It's not that everything should be, you know, just like the perfect fit for you. But I think if something is draining and it's not nourishing you and replenishing you and like inspiring from within in that way, um, it's probably not going to be pretty, it's not, it's not going to be sustainable. Right. I, you know, the thing that I think about is that, for example, like you do something for work that, that, that you enjoy or that, you know, sustains you and that makes you feel like, uh, you know, happiness and whatever. But uh, for someone like for me, or maybe the, majority of other people it's that we do a certain work so we can do those things that we that nourish us yeah so like we do a nine to five job which we're like not crazy about but it's not like super suffering or anything but we're just like eh, it's what we do just to get the bills so we can do the things that we want which is like you know you know do a podcast or do a a sport or some kind of recreation or something we're passionate about yeah so like I guess it's an amazing blessing to actually have those two things in one. Well, it is a blessing, and I, and I do feel blessed, um, or at least, you know, I have glimpses of feeling blessed, and when I'm not organically, naturally feeling blessed, um, I try to make it a practice. Right. I think it's one of these things that, like, appreciating blessings can also be a, a practice. And for me, I know, like, it's part of it is reminding myself that, like, yeah, I get to do this thing that's, like, yeah. incredible. Like, I had this, uh, I mean, I'll just give you a couple of anecdotes. Um, or not even anecdotes, but I'll just tell you a little bit more about what I do. I mean, yeah. I get to, this semester, um, we're launching, or I should say I'm launching, because um, it's sort of like a one-man operation at this point. Right. But I'm um, launching this new program that, that I'm calling the Examined Life Project. Cool. Um, Examined Life Project examined life the examined life and it comes from i think it's gosh i should know this but i'm gonna say like socrates i think it's a socrates quote someone can quick nimai fact check this um <laughs> i think it's a socrates quote but it, it it you know where there's just this idea of the um the examined life is the life worth living right right mm-hmm, i've heard that and and so i'm really interested in what does that examined life look like and what does it look like within our tradition um, and when I say our tradition, in this case, I mean more generally the Hindu tradition, mm-hmm. um, which is you know something we can talk about. But but my role is to um, care for and to engage with and inspire um, the Hindu community at, at, at Princeton, um, and and there's lots of uh, diversity within that community. But anyway, um, as I was reflecting on this idea of the examined life, um, I was just like, what what if there was a program where you could um, where I could just sit with students, like one on one, yeah, and we could read a text together. Like it's not like mind blowing. It's like a pretty simple idea, I think. Um, but like it's a, like what kind of text? Like we sit. So we're doing this with the Upanishads, and, okay. and, and the reason I decided to choose the Upanishads is I think, um, first of all, I just you know in the last couple of years I've um, sort of rediscovered them. I think the first time I read some of the major Upanishads, a lot of it just went over my head, and I was like. It just wasn't quite feeling it, um, particularly coming from a background of bhakti practice. Some of it can feel very dry. But in the last couple of years, um, I have 
sort of rediscovered these texts and they're amazing. And I think there's a lot of sort of in between the lines reading that needs mm -hmm. to be done. I mean, they're, the Upanishads are texts that are, that are crafted in such a way that they're designed to be unpacked. They're not designed. It's 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 a body of 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 sacred text that's not designed to be like pulled off a shelf the way we do in like sort of the the postmodern age of like everything you do is like on your own or like you know mm -hmm. where you just like open it up and just start reading wherever you want. It's like classically they're designed to be unpacked and to be sort of explored with guidance. Right. And and I was fortunate to be able to do this um, and just like I said rediscovered these 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 texts. And so I came up with this idea, and we haven't done it yet. We're just, you know, sort of un, un what is it called, unveiling it or rolling yeah, it out. Um, but the idea is <clears throat> to set up time one on one with students. So students apply; it's by choice, whoever wants to. Um, and students apply, and then we match up our schedules, and we set a time each week to meet once a week to read an Upanishad together, wow. and to just like read it together, and then just talk about it and try to unpack it. But the idea and where I'm trying to put a little bit of a more modern spin on it is to use the text as a way of talking about life. Because sometimes it's very intimidating, particularly if you're coming from a culture where um, you know, you don't have someone that you like talk to about your spiritual life or your emotional life or your, right. you know, your inner life, so to speak. It can be very intimidating to just sit down and just start doing that. And so the idea is to use you know, this study of the Upanishads as a, a kind of a springboard to just talk about life and growth and, and that's fantastic and um anyway you know it's it could end up being an amazing experience and it it could flop and i fall on my face and next semester i don't do it anymore but just to be in a position where i can do this for a living where i can think about stuff like this and try to execute it and you know i mean not to sound too corny about it but to try to make a difference in people's lives particularly in a stage of life that if you think about it, it's like, at least in our culture, and, and really in, in sort of modern global culture, is like the most formative time in someone's life. Like think about everything that happens between the ages of, let's say 18, 17 or 18, and 28, 29, even like up to 30, right? If you just look at that, those years, mm -hmm. right? Like everything is happening in someone's formation. Like this is the time where you're like figuring out who you are, what you believe in, what you value, um, who your closest friends are going to be in most cases. Right? right. Often, not always, but often this is a time in your life where you're going to meet the person who is going to be your, your partner um, yeah. ostensibly for life. This is where you're figuring out things like your diet, your dietary choices. Most people turn to, you know, alternative diets like vegetarianism, veganism, whatever, um, at this stage in their life. It's very, very few people. It happens, but very few people you know, are capable of making such radical changes at other times in their life. So much happens in this one period of sexuality or people figuring themselves coming out of the closet. All this stuff happens right. in this one magical time in your life. And not only does it happen, but there's like systems in place to assist it happening and to support it happening. And you have, and there's a person there, like and there are people you, there. basically. Are, and, you're there to... Well, well, this is the thing. I mean, this is what I'm trying to do. And this right. is when, you know, I guess on those days where I'm like, what do I do again? Like, why am I here? It's like been 10 years. Like, am I, like, is this going anywhere? Because we all have those moments of doubt, right? Mm -hmm. on, I think on those days, I, one of the things I try to tell myself is like, yeah, like, 
this is such an amazing time and such an important, critical, crucial time in the lives of these people. Um, and I'm going to say it, right? Like, I mean, it may be, it may sound a little elitist, but like I get to do this not just at anywhere, but like at Princeton University, which is the number one college or university in the country, according to whoever it is, U.S. News and World Report, like yeah. seventh year in a row, ranked number one. Wow. And, and I'm saying that only because it's like, this is important. This is an important place. It's an important stage in people's lives. And these people are going to go on, many of them, all of them in their own ways, are going to go on to do amazing things in yeah. the world, in their own lives, and the lives of those they interact with. These are going to be like the game changers. These are going to be the people that are going to like save our planet, right? And are going to like mm -hmm. course correct from all the craziness of, you know, that whatever, I don't want to get political, but you know, like it's, it, it's a crazy, scary world. And yeah. these are people that are being equipped in some ways to address and, and even remedy um, these significant, you know, really big deal issues yeah. in our world. And like, what can we do to support and serve them at this time where they're trying to figure themselves out? Wow. And can I be someone that can um, be a part of either introducing or deepening or um, curating, I like to use the word curating, um, but curating um, their spirituality and their spiritual loss at this time, right? And, and that's, and I get to do that and I get paid to do that and I get to, um, do it with amazing people, and um, and I get to really bring my full self to that. I mean, I'm very open about my own practice, about my um, my teachers and the texts that inspire me, and the you know the particular lineage that you know everyone knows that I'm a a Krishna you know aspiring Krishna bhakta in this you know tradition of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Right. Um, and I get to do that now. The sort of flip side of that, where for me it's it's become challenging and, and um, but I think challenging in a very healthy way is I have to constantly check my motives because I have that it's so integrated that if I'm not careful um, I might find myself slipping into that territory of being maybe not the healthiest influence and maybe you know having my own agenda trying to get people to um, basically trying to pressure people and trying to be more of like a missionary than a support system and a minister and a, right. you know, a chaplain. And I don't think, and, and I, I recognize that there may be some people listening who go, well, what's so wrong with that? Like, right, yeah. shouldn't you be doing that? Shouldn't you be yeah. spreading the good word of the, of the Lord and savior? No, shouldn't you be, shouldn't you be, you know, spreading, spreading the message of, of Mahaprabhu? Um, and my answer to that is yes. Um, I, I think we absolutely should be. And I have this amazing opportunity. Um, but I think the way to do it for me is to really bring that whole self and bring that bhakti and bring my own modest attempts to try to follow and imbibe what you know the best of what 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 I have been given in this mm -hmm. tradition and through my own teachers but but not to do it in a way that's beating anyone over the head or that is um, you know I'm not I'm not there for conversion I'm not there it's um, contrary to several very irritating emails and and messages that I, that I get um, maybe many a strong that I occasionally get. Um, I'm not running a preaching program at Princeton. I'm not like churning out. <laughs> Do people say that people, people will be like, Oh, Prabhu, you have the preaching program at Princeton. Right. I mean, some of this is like, this is a different paradigm for a lot of people. And I get that. Yeah. Um, 
But that's not, you know, if I'm, again, I'm trying to be honest with myself and trying to be true to myself. That's not what I feel called to do. That's not what I feel inspired to do. That's not what I feel um, I've been um, advised. And and that's that's not what I feel the mood is from the teachers that I respect most, including my right. own Diksha Guru. Right. Um, I feel like I'm there to share um, a perspective whenever it's welcome, to meet people where they're at and, and to help them. Some of the most meaningful interactions I've had with students have been students where who have a practice that is philosophically very different mm. from um, you know Krishna Bhakti or Vaishnava practice, Vaishnava Siddhanta. Uh, and for me, I feel like my role is to support them in that and to help them go deeper in their own practice in a more authentic way, not for them to become more like me. Mm. Does that make sense? Is that no? Oh, of course, yeah. You, you know, I'd like you know. I'd love to unpack that more, but we're just like, like Jay Jagannath. It's, I'm so bummed. Like Jay Jagannath's episode, it, like when it start, we started to get there. It became like, okay, this we're is getting, to, we're out of the time. Yeah. yeah. So, well, he, thank you for saying that because I, I feel like I was, you know, as, as I mentioned to you offline, like I was super nervous. Jay Jagannath's an incredibly like difficult person to follow. I think I you did a fantastic like, job. And, um, Honestly, I did. Anyway, and, and like I was, I was talking to Tulsi about this. I mean, there's that tendency to constantly compare. Right. Um, I, I love this quote. I'm not sure who it's uh, originally attributed to, but I actually heard it from, um, I, actually, I heard Ravanath Swami quoting it, and it, it just really touched me, and I, I like to return to it. But it's, it's a, a famous quote. It, it goes, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. And, oh, wow. And, and I really, um, I, there's so much truth there, right? It's, yeah. This, there's this tendency and it just takes the joy. It takes that, you know, it takes the, 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 the like the rasa out of everything. Yeah. Um, because we're not present anymore, right? We're constantly doing that, but it's so tempting. And I think even I like to, you know, talk a big game about, you know, and I like to try to give all this like wise counsel and good advice to others. But if I'm honest with myself, man, like I struggle with that so much. Yeah. So full disclosure, I, I you know, came on with a lot of nervousness feeling like anyway. he's a tough act to follow. The more, the more we do it, the better it gets. I hope so. I'm new to this as well. The, the whole podcasting thing, but, um, I noticed you had, you know, when you, when you like you entitle each podcast with the numbers, right? right so this number zero zero two. Right. And I think there's something really important about the fact that you didn't just put number two, but you put zero, zero, two. Right. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. Was that intentional? Did you? Yeah. One of my favorite podcasters does that. Okay. So I, I thought like, why I should do that because I feel like I'm going to do this a lot because yeah. I feel it's a good idea. It's unique. And we get to meet cool people like yourself, hear what they're about, hear what they're doing, what the story is and. Well, it was intentional. No, yeah. and, I, and I feel like that's like that's a powerful thing because what what it communicated to me was like, yeah, like he's serious enough about this that he's putting it out that like this is not going to be like I'm not going to do three of these, you know, and then like go on to the next kite flying adventure, <laughs> right? It's like I'm I'm like you know it's 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 bold, man. It's like it requires a certain amount yeah. of of putting yourself out there to say like, yeah, like. You know, I'm hoping for this thing to go into like the triple digits as far as the number of podcasts that we're able to do. Yeah. And I, I really respect that. And I, I do hope that, you know, um, I hope I pass the audition as the Beatles. Oh, are you said. kidding? I, I hope, um, you know, I you think some people are going to be, I think some people are going to be a bit disappointed that we didn't discuss what was this, what was said on the, the Hinduization of ISKCON. The Hinduization of ISKCON. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take that we'll for another, that we'll come back to that. And another, uh, you know, a few other things that I w definitely yeah. want you to unpack. But for now, 
we have to do sorry no i was just i just wanted to you know um because we've been speaking so much about krishangi right that i just i, I have to like oh yeah tell that yeah tell I, I have to i have to like call her out and i think part of this is just because because we share namras and i share a certain um i don't know we have a bond over this because we both know krishangi in this unique way and we know her her kind of her quirks with this and i think one of the like to me one of the most hilarious things is the fact that she still doesn't like she doesn't know what a she she still doesn't get what you're doing like, and, I, and I love the fact she's like, that like you're doing a podcast, and, she like, and she's like, "What's a podcast?" What's that? it's it's like she doesn't because I try to I I try talking to her about this, and it's not even like what's a podcast. It's like she just doesn't see the value in it. She's like, "Why can't you just sit and talk to him like in private?" <laughs> she's like, she doesn't understand the concept of a talk show. I'm like, I'm trying to explain. I'm like, so you think like Jimmy Fallon should just like Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake should just go sit at it, you know? At a cafe and just have a private conversation, and then, of course, then she's like, "You're not Justin Timberlake," and I was like, "Okay, fair, <laughs> fair." I like the fact that she didn't say you weren't Jimmy Fallon. Right. She, she took the opportunity, right? Mirror. She right. took the opportunity to hold. Me. But um, so I think for you know, in a certain way, she doesn't get this. Um, I think her like experience with like watching videos online is like watching like like cooking videos um, on, on, on Facebook with like, without putting the audio on. This is like a thing that, Krishan, I don't know how many other people do this, but like she refuses to put the audio on the video. So she just like watches like muted like videos on She's Facebook. She's so funny. We love her though. But, but she, you know, so she was a little concerned about this and I, I have to share this. I know I'm gonna embarrass her a little bit, but can I, can I share it? Can please, I, yeah? please. So this actually happened. Um, as I'm we'll end with this, okay. and then we'll go to this. All right, yeah. and then we'll go to this. And, and thank you, you've been really patient. I, I no, 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 over please. But as we're like, as I'm leaving the house to come here, um, because you know, Princeton's a little bit of a distance, so I had to drive. As I'm leaving the house, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm literally walking out the door, walking towards the car, and you know, we say our goodbyes. And Krishangi, her like final advice to me, the last thing she calls out to me, and this is, <laughs> I can't even make this up. The last thing she says to me is. <laughs> Don't say anything you wouldn't feel comfortable saying in front of Maharaj or Gauranga Prabhu. <laughs> like, this is what she leaves me with. Like, I'm already fully nervous, and that's what she leaves me with. And then I'm like, okay, I get the kind of the Maharaj part, but then I'm like, Gauranga Prabhu? And then she goes, you know he's on Facebook. <laughs> so... Anyway, Krishogi, I, I hope um, oh, man. I hope this passes muster. I you know we love I'm you. Not, I'm not sure if Maharaj or Gurunga Prabhu how entertaining they would have found this, but but hopefully I can stand by whatever I've spoken here, and hopefully we can have some more conversations. Definitely, dude. De we're definitely having you back. Let's go to the quick fire round. Nimai, we need sound effects for this next time. Let's make it happen. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I, I, I thought he was going to be like, Nimai, we need sound effects. And then they were going to be like, no, no, no. Sound we have to work on it. He's this like, Nimai, a... when I get to a, you know, my third guest who I really care about, like, we'll have <laughs> real sound effects. This guy that I hate, like... I just gave him, you know, a cup of fake coffee, and I'm just. All right, you know how this goes, right? I think I do. You're gonna ask me questions, and I'm gonna answer, give really long, drawn out no, answers. No, no, is no. no. This is a no. quick, quick, quick fire. fire, quick fire, quick fire. Go. If I gave you ten thousand dollars tomorrow, what would you do with it? I would invest it in. No, I don't. I wouldn't invest it. I would. It's gonna sound boring. I would put it in my bank account. Oh come on. Everyone Sorry, says I know, that, that. Was Jai, that was Jai, that was Jai's answer, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't put it in my bank account. What would you do? I would. Um, gosh, this is embarrassing. 
I haven't quite gotten to setting up Shruti's uh, college account. Oh man, I'd probably do that because she probably eight. shouldn't say that. She's eight now, and uh, by the way, do you do the thing where people send in donations? Or, cause like, <laughs> can, I, can I send you my what is that called? That Go thing? find me. Go find. Can I send you my GoFundMe? No, no, my, you can't. Okay, for my child to go to next one. school. Okay, next one. <laughs> what person has had the greatest influence in your life, and why? Um, these are the same questions you asked, Jai Jagan. Do you do the same? No, question? they're not. They're not. No. Um. I, <laughs> the, the exact same question. No, they're not. They're totally the same. Um, the person I think that has had the most impact on my life, um, I'm going to say Radhanath Swami. I'm going to say my guru. Um, nice. But yeah, it's just uh, constantly inspires me. And just just when I think I've, you know, heard it all and I, I you know, there's always something new to learn and he's, he's constantly opening up my heart. Which Amen I to that. Needs a lot of opening, so. Nima, no time. We need new questions. Uh, what has helped you overcome difficult times in life? Um, good humor, I think. Like maintaining yeah. a sense of humor and, and trying to um, laugh and make other people laugh. What has been the strongest factor for you in achieving your goals in life? Um, knowing um, who to turn to for guidance and advice and blessings. If the world's infrastructure collapsed and there were there was no more electricity or gas or anything, where would I find you and what would you be doing? True answer is you would probably find me like sitting in a closet somewhere, like shaking my like my phone and like trying to swipe <laughs> and like being like it's all good. <laughs> Um, but my official answer is I think you would find me at the Govardhan Eco Village. Nice. Um, you know, trying to... GEV. Trying to embrace going off the grid and, and living by uh, some, some Bhakti Eco principles. Nice. Bhakti Eco principles. I just coined that's, that. Dude, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Bhakti Eco principles. That sounds, that sounds like a... a that good, sounds like a thing. That sounds like a thing. That's totally a thing. <laughs> you, Bhakti Center, are you listening? Make that a thing. <laughs> Your most often used word. If I'm being honest, like, like, probably I'm, I'm a, nice. I'm a Valley girl at heart. And I think I use the word like <laughs> a million, probably in this podcast, I used it a million times. Uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in New York city. I okay. was born and raised in New York. Nice. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks. I appreciate this it. This has been awesome. Yeah, it's been awesome. Let's have you on again. Let's unpack a few things, more details and, um, Hinduization of Iskon next time, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to maybe, do that. Maybe. Let's but, see. uh, thanks to all my viewers for watching. Um, Thanks to Nimai, thanks to Tulsi, thanks to Venkatabhatta for coming over. And thanks we'll see you Thank next you. time. Thank you for the fake coffee, Tulsi. I loved it. <laughs> thanks.